0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: We're a nation that's obsessed with celebs, and the more private they are, the more we want to know. Every week in Fabulous Magazine, we talk to our most loved celebrities, whether it's about fashion, beauty, or more personal matters. Now we're going one step further with this series of intimate and tell-all conversations. This is the podcast where I get under the skin of what really makes a woman by meeting the most important lady in their life. Mums and daughters may not always be the best of friends, but in this show, our fabulous females are brave enough to let us into their personal lives and share the highs and lows of their relationships.
2: Sure, far away to get you to stop, right? Did you vomit? I think I vomited, but I didn't stop smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not? I mean, there was music around the whole... We always it had music playing so in the house, the there was hotel. music in the hotel. Yeah.
1: Broadcaster and writer Edith Bowman has been working in TV and radio for nearly 20 years. Her knowledge and passion for music and film, which stemmed from being a genuine fan, have seen her incorporate both extensively into all that she does. She has broadcast radio shows on BBC One, Two, Five, Six and in her homeland in Scotland. She was born and raised in a small fishing village just outside of Fife. Now, she's going to kill me for not mentioning the village, but I find it really hard to pronounce. I'm here to learn more about what shaped Edith into the powerhouse voice of radio that she is today.
2: And I, I still remember being sat at my desk at Radio One when she phoned to tell me that she had breast cancer. So blase the way she told us as well, and that it was it was really early and it was going to be fine and stuff. And 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 she did immediately just kind of make sure everybody else. I'm Lisa Snowden, this is Things I Told My Daughter
1: and here's what happened when I met Edith and Eleanor Bowman. So today I'm off to Kenwood House in Hampstead. Um, This gorgeous Georgian gem sits on the edge of the famous heath in North London, close to where Edith lives and spends a lot of time with her family. The lovely people at Kenwood House have very kindly offered us their beautiful and very atmospheric old kitchen as a cosy recording studio just for the afternoon. Welcome to the show, Edith and Eleanor Bowman. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, if you were to describe... One another to a stranger.
2: What would you say? How would you say how would you describe each other? I'll, I'll think... go f- I'll go first. Go on, Edith <laughs> Um <laughs> Eleanor is the person who everybody else comes before her. So she's the person that everybody goes to for advice or help. And she's the first person to offer that advice or help to people. Do we? Huh? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> be honest. Um really loving and caring. Um A great family person, always puts her family first. I just think she's such a loving and giving. Very, very generous with her family. I think there's something about mum being in the middle. So mum's one of seven daughters. That's a lot, isn't it? All beginning with E. And mum's piggy in the middle. And I think it's a gravitational thing, almost. Yeah, kind of. She's just got this amazing aura of she's there to help and she's there to give. Yeah, all that. It's, it's it's a kind of physical thing, I think. And you've obviously got that too, though. That if 12. I've got a, if I've got a twentieth, a hundredth of that, then I'd be happy to be honest. Totally. But your pals come to you if they've got problems, and I I'm, I I like to think or hope I'm a good listener. Mm. So I don't know whether that's something where sometimes when I'm doing interviews, and because I like to do interviews in an environment that's really relaxed, where that's you can true. actually kind of have a chat with someone mm. that they feel like they can offload sometimes I do that as a nervous thing as well
1: or overshare yeah <laughs> i was mean, so good terrible that. for that
2: I just talk to because kind of cover just my nerves you want to disarm
1: them as well and you want to yeah. be like I can, oh and then and then and it's just like <laughs> shush less is more but I guess it's good obviously I mean in your line of work as well in order to put the, the people at ease and then also to get them on different kind of subjects rather than the normal five six minute chat of a press junket which is just so
2: boring for everybody you know totally and I think I've got a lot of that from mum and growing up in the hotel as well in terms of being, a, you know, the public. When we were kids growing up, my dad had an old-fashioned grocery shop and a cafe, like the Fons. and been <laughs> surrounded with people all my life. All the time. And... I'm not good on one. I need people around me. And all your sisters, though. Yeah. I mean that's like a
1: massive family. Yeah.
2: Like massive. Five of them like live oh, within God. 3 minutes walk now of each other. That is so lovely. It's but we're not, you know, in each other's pockets. You know, we just know that we're there for each other if we just need. Just there them. exactly. Yeah.
1: Just yeah. for a cup of tea, if you need That's to right. just pop
2: in. I mean, I always say that, you know, good friends, you don't have to speak to them every day. Mm-hmm. It's great that you oh, I need to go and give so-and-so a phone and just pick up the phone and yeah. you just pick up for where you've yeah. left off. I know,
1: my best friend lives yeah. in work. I don't see her as often as I mm-hmm. like, but as soon as I see her, it's like yeah. no time has passed. Exactly. Absolutely. Edith has such an amazing career Like her genuine Busy girl Passion for music The like That organic love for it You know her have the most Incredible career In obviously radio And TV And now you're podcasting You must be so proud You bet
2: definitely what,
1: yeah what so so proud most
2: proud of just how she tackled it all on her own and came mm. down here at a young age mm-hmm. something that I would never have been able to do I wouldn't have the guts to do it um, she took a job that she thought would help to feed her until she got what she really wanted mm. and it all started with MTV when they were looking for regional accents so remember you coming after down after being to the- told that they would never get on radio speaking like a piper. is that what we're saying yeah mm-hmm. really yeah um, Tom Steele who was the programme controller of um, what is now fourth three fourth and uh, I I mean I I kind of borderline stalked him to try and get in to get work experience and so I think it got to the point where he was like Jesus someone just get her in for ten minutes so that she stops hounding me so went in and he was Horrible to me. And you know, one of those instances where you you can feel tears building up in you, but you're like, I will not mm. show weakness. Mm. Kind of like almost inhaling the tears. And he said, Yeah, he said, he was like, Well, you know, what do you what do you want what do you see, you know, down the line sort of thing. And I was like, Well, I'd eventually like to be on air and have my own show and blah de blah. Um, I was you know, and he said, Well, oh, I could never put someone with an accent like yours on the radio. Oh my gosh. But I but Massive I, I kinda of stuck, stuck to my ages. guns though as well in terms of even when I came down here and I started, I had a showreel that I'd got made from my last student loan um, that I used to make that and I sent it to everyone. Everyone. And I've still got the folder of rejection letters. And a lot of them say, maybe you should have elocution lessons. But I could have easily done that. Yeah. But I didn't. No. Because it's part of me. It's like, and it changes when... She's around as well. Does it get a really, yeah.
1: really strong accent?
2: <laughs> Mum's a bit like that. when we went to New York. <laughs>
1: what, 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 happened?
2: what happened? No, but it's just I have a habit of taking on people's accents. And it used to happen in the hotel. <laughs> My dad and does it was that. it's really embarrassing. It's, sort of... it's really embarrassing. And I don't mean to do it. I, I used to do it with Colin when I was speaking to yeah. Colin. Parsha Certainly. <laughs> Certainly come so in if you're ordering at a restaurant for example is that when it would be like would you be like can I have some <sighs> can I have a coffee we were on I took mum to New yeah. York yeah. for her 50 the, what, yeah. on the boat she didn't know where she was going is until we got to the you? airport yeah, oh that's just two of us. precious and uh, we had a great time didn't we and one of the things mum wanted to do was to go out to Ellis Island and do the tour so I was like right well, I'll go and get the, the headphones with the tour stuff there's a wee thing go and get us a coffee sort of thing so I was expecting to be ages got these things really quick and then and just kind of headed towards the, the little coffee shop place as as mum was ordering in her best and <laughs> finest American accent. Broad <laughs> New York. Can else? I have two coffees? Together. Amazing. But that's the actress in her. You see, this is something she wasn't won't talk about. She won't bring up herself is that my earliest, some of my earliest memories of mum are of her performing. Uh-huh. So one of my earliest memories is her playing Nancy in Oliver. Oh, I love Nancy. My dad's taken me to see that when I was three or four. Uh, three? Well, I was... 21 3, three. Two, so you three. sing as well that's where he yeah. did his voice from yeah. and then he would sing songs in the bar in the hotel yeah. and Christmas carols at Christmas we used to do in the hotel We'd on a Saturday night there'd be a dinner dance with this band that you'd be hilarious being a waitress you'd be in the pantry and you'd go you'd know the next song before they started playing it because they had it's one it's 10 past 10 they, they were, were playing exactly yeah <clears throat> the sweet car lines on its way because <laughs> they had one set of songs and that's all they played but in their break at Christmas time, all the waitresses and wine waiters and stuff, and the kitchen staff, we'd all get woolly hats and scarves on. We'd come out and sing Christmas carols and go round and collect for Charlie. It was brilliant fun.
1: That's amazing. Is that something you wanted to do then when you were oh, younger? When I was a
2: kid, I wanted to be an actress.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yeah.
2: And then my dad opened the hotel and I thought that was going to be more exciting. <laughs>
1: So you combine the two, a little bit of performance after yeah. dark and Yeah. So I wanted to just go back to talking. I didn't realise that you'd had so many knockbacks coming. Oh, yeah. and, and and like where do you think you found that sort of that strength, that tenacity, that sort of that that drive to keep going?
2: Well they Is never it, stop really. Mm. You know, the kind of the nose, or you don't get the job. Mm. They never stop. And it's just about and there's times where it gets really hard mm. to But also, you're quite hard on yourself, I think, sometimes. Yeah. You beat yourself up. Yeah, and it's hard not to take stuff personally. I think it was actually maybe easier back then than it is now because knowing the things that I can do and then not getting the jobs, that's kind of almost harder because you're like, well, I could easily do that. Mm. But um, I think when when I was younger and, and kind of taking those knockbacks... I had no expectations. I grew up in an environment where I was kind of not taught, but in an, an environment where it was, if you work hard, you kind of reap the benefits, so that kind of work ethic was instilled in me from a really early age, and so I wasn't scared to work hard. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe that sort of mm-hmm. idea of someone saying no to you is kind of like, well, mm-hmm. let me work a bit harder, mm-hmm. and I'll come back to you, sort of thing. Yeah. Like I got my training through MTV. Yeah, from me too. Kind of, yeah, from like I started the MTV. Yeah, from kind of coming in, and you know, I came in through doing the news bulletins, and you had to write your own script. You went out right. and did your interviews I my own scripts. and all that kind of stuff, but <laughs> but you saw and you were part of things being yeah. put together, and even you know in the makeup in that makeup room sort yeah. of Lindsay and Patricia teaching you how to do your makeup yeah. and so you had all these skills going along that, that it was like alright good got that in my pocket move yeah. on what's the next thing sort of thing so I nearly didn't get the job because I didn't have a regional reach- accent
1: that was the funny thing that
2: about was- it they're like nah you haven't got a reach-. I was like Phew. I can like, I have one I'll give you one <laughs> like, what do you want Brummie <laughs> <laughs> i terrible accents. I really wouldn't have but to that, was, that was um, I mean Christine Bohr I mean I owe her a lot because she when she was launching MTV UK that was what she wanted to do she yeah. wanted to represent the UK mm-hmm. and what I love about her not just for that side of things was like how many women she brought in Absolutely. with accents and I was really interested because
1: you you were chambermaided and all sorts of oh, stuff yeah. back in yeah. the day 100%. that's what I love about like You're not afraid of hard work like grafting
2: properly <laughs> well I wanted to do it before I was allowed to do it yeah. really. we had to keep her in the kitchen because she couldn't go out front because she was too young so you're obviously such a really close family
1: how often do you get to spend time together like how often are you going up to Fife and you're coming
2: down like what's that I'm down maybe every couple of months yeah, in the you're well it's more difficult for you because you've to organise the boys and things like that and you've got work where well, your dad and I are full-time grandparents now loving life <laughs> yeah love it when so, Rudy was born you've got a great oh, fact when Rudy was born what was it you saw him every month for how many years was his third birthday or first, first three birthday? years of his life oh. Every month, amazing, that's amazing. To come to his first glass and bury,
1: yeah, really, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, what incredible photos you he must have. He was what
2: ten days old. Yeah. Bloody hell! Did you really go to <laughs> after c C-section? Edith oh, was. he Edith, oh, Edith, Edith was feeding between takes. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Expressing, that's rock and roll, babe. expressing milk. Oh, but so then I look back is. and it's like. I remember the journey there was horrendous. You, Tom and I packed up the car for this tiny individual. He was playing, Tom was playing. I was doing telly and mum was being our Mary Poppins. <laughs> and this, we packed the car for this little thing and there was so much stuff in the okay. car. And it was his first car journey and he pretty much screamed for the entire like three and a half hour. Tom had to do a rehearsal and he literally had to just get to the hotel, throw me in the room and go to the rehearsal in Wells and I was just he looked on my face, I was just like what have we done? And he just like looked at me and went, it's going to be alright don't worry. Terrifying. And then mum turned up like five minutes later and I was like, I'm so glad you're here <laughs> Mum, don't leave Help Thank you. There was everything in that car. Oh my god! Frickish. But you even did that as well later on when you just turned up at the house when you could tell from the from oh, the of my phone voice. call she phoned me Tom was away on tour and, and Rudy must have been months old and I was at the house on my own and mum phoned and she could just tell he has a great thing in saying I'm fine mum I'm fine and I know fine when she's no fine that's Eleanor. I'm fine Bowman talking so I said to her dad I says nah Mrs need no wee hand
1: she's not fine nah
2: she's not so I went down neither of us are good for asking for help though nah you're not good for it either would you say oh, I didn't need help see why do you think why do you think I think my my dad kind of made me kind of an, an organiser. You know, he, he would say, I'm oh, going to see if you can organise such and such a thing. If the Rotary were having a function, see if you can organise this and do this and whatever. And Yeah, I've been... You're the fixer. Yeah, fixer, aye. Used to love doing weddings, organise weddings. Used to love meeting, meeting the couples beforehand. I remember yeah. saying, saying to you, like, before... I mean, I never thought Tom and I would get married because he never really wanted to get married he never Mm -hmm. asked you did he (laughs) yeah but didn't you say something like if you were together for 10 years then you would get married Yeah. yeah. we did propose after 10 years he was like let's just let's do it when we've been together for 10 years kind of thing Yeah. let's not make a fuss about it and then after we had Spike like within months of us having Spike so I don't know if he was going through some kind of you know hormonal new dad thing he just in the middle of the night kind of was like I think we should get married and I was like what and so that was kind of like, okay. But I'd said to mum even before that, Luke, if if I ever get married, I'm just telling you now, it's not going to be that big... Fru-fru Big madness. wedding yeah. kind of thing. Oh, look at your mum's brother. brother. <laughs> Alec will have that. And he did. Yeah. And he had like the big kind of, you know, massive kind of 300 people at it. Oh, that thing. terrifies me. How many people were yours? Well... Yeah there was <laughs> a slot
1: yeah we got that after
2: didn't we Aww. it so was so lovely nice. with the mince pies and, and moldy wine stuff
1: really nice it's about making it yours yeah totally I want to say that you've got I mean I love your kids names they're so super cool Spike, they were Tom's choices, Spike really. And Rudy. Don't, I mean, they're
2: super cool. Like- Rudy was. Um, we had loads actually for the first one. Uh, like I had lots of Scottish things, like Wallace and things like that. But he had Rudy from a book that he was reading, and also this um, beautiful B-side from the Lemonheads called "Rudy with a Flashlight." And I, one of the names that I had was Bray, which was a kind of. Um, It was for my granddad, really, who I was really close to because he lived on Brayhead Road and he used to walk the Brays. So the Brays in Scotland are, it's a term for uh, a kind of coastal walk by the sea. Um, And so I was like, should we call him Bray? And then, I don't know, he came out and it was like, Rudy, Rudy Bray sounds nice. Lovely. So, yeah, and then Spike was actually... So he's Spike Stanley. Rudy picked Stanley. And we had this book of Spike Milligan poems, kids' poetry that we used to read to Rudy. Um, And it just felt... And when we went into the hospital, the midwife was like, does baby have a name yet? Because we knew what we were having because Rudy wanted to find out. Didn't really want to go with Stanley's first name. Um, (laughs) And so Spike just kind of (laughs) stuck. And oh my God, does it suit him. Super cute. Is. why is that what describes to me? Describe oh Spire he's and just oh he's a he, he's, he's a just a, he's a devil he really is, is he? he's he just winds his brother up so much but he's so he's so cheeky he's got that yeah. little glint in his oh. eye isn't he oh my goodness who am I most like like when I was a kid you've got a bit of both of, or they've got a bit of a view in both of them, yeah, but um, maybe I'm more to spike. <laughs> <laughs> was, was Edith Fischi really mischievous oh, and like uh-huh. cheeky? I was like, someone said to me, Ruthie, you're gonna have another one try for a girl. I was like, Are you serious? Did, did ah, you I was a nightmare. That? Oh, she wasn't a nightmare, you just knew what you wanted to do, did not you? What was it? She According like, to mummy, I'm going to be a proper little medal. <laughs> she the used to quote uh, on the daily. Was, was it? Just uh, William. Was it to, just for yeah?
1: Well, Shirley yeah? Temp. Um, Bonnie
2: like Lang? Bonnie Langford. Oh my Dish, God. Right? The most precocious of all. Oh <laughs> Got caught drinking quite a lot. Did you? When I was a teenager. Smoking. Smoking. Mm. Behind the bike shed. What did you make me do? Smoke a whole cigarette. In front of her and my dad. Until it a... was red raw at the bottom. That's a quick, sure, way to get you to stop, right? Did you vomit? I think I vomited, but I didn't stop smoking. <laughs> did you? Oh, my God. But the last but cigarette I had, actually, was the night before I found out I was pregnant with Rudy. Good timing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd had quite a few. And I'd had quite a lot of Jack Daniels that night. And I was like, but I haven't had a cigarette since. But, yeah, bad girl at times. Oh, well, we've all been there. Bored in a fishing village, you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not enough to do. I think, I, did you know early on that I was going to leave? Oh, definitely. Did you? Definitely not enough Enough for you to keep you at home. It's quite sad, that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, not really. It's, no, oh, you just it's, spread your
1: wings and off you yeah, go. That's right. It's like I didn't know that you had epilepsy as a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, baby,
2: wasn't it? Yeah, that must have been terrifying. She was 11 months, and she was sitting on my mum's my mum's knee, and she just went all limp. And we, uh, my mum, were taking up because mum and dad stayed in a flat above the hotel, and they were going. Mum was going to be looking after you because we had a big function on that night, and. I had just come up to see how you were and uh, my dad says that that, that bairn's not right, that bairn's not right. So he um he started to pat your back and so I as I've try and phone the doctor. Couldn't get an answer, so I ran about five hundred yards down the road to bang on this doctor's um door. Meanwhile she had come down the stairs on somebody's shoulder and they wonder whether it was that and then one of the young waitresses had given her the kiss of life. Please. But it was scary, scary. So I was on medication for every day and then I got sort of, you know, touch touchwood, something mm-hmm. got weaned off it. Yeah. Was it eight when I had my last fit? Yeah, I think so. Eight or nine, I would say. Yeah. And then I had to get, I, I remember going for the brain scans because you'd go and get checked all the time and, you'd, and the smell of the, they'd have to sort of stick the glue, the things mm. to your heads and the smell of the glue would make me sick. So you'd be sat with one of those, you know, those kind of weird paper mashy top hat things being sick into it. It's weird. I've got that really visual memory of that. That's so scary. Yeah. And then it just stopped. Yeah. yeah it just got out of it. We Yeah, weaned off there. Yeah. The medication,
1: and then you mentioned about the cesareans. you, yeah. had, you had two cesareans, two. and that was
2: recommended to you. Yeah, and because so when I was uh, when I was at Radio One, and I was kind of, I was you know fully kind of both feet into work, absolutely loving what I was doing, and kind of you know party girl as well, having a great time, and so I went to the doctors just to say you know feeling a bit tired and stuff so they detected that I had a heart murmur but because of that my consultant um, made the decision that you know the thing as a woman that puts your heart under the most strain is going through labour or it could be and so he said what's the point of putting your heart under unnecessary strain when we can make a decision to not do that Yeah. so he made the decision for me to have c-section and yeah and you know it's, it's weird though because you kind of you 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 get these kind of like, oh, really from other from women? women sometimes kind of go, oh, you know, as if to say, oh, poor you, you didn't get to have natural birth. I'm like, well, actually not poor me because both my kids and me are healthy, healthy and yes. we're fine. And that for me is a priority. Absolutely. Um, and, you it's know, that a, a thing about it. Yeah, so just yeah. remember Oh, you don't have that connection. It's like, oh, piss off. <laughs> you know, I've got an amazing relationship with my kids and that was instant. mm mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about because,
1: like you, my my family's been touched by breast cancer, by cancer in general. Yeah. Like, just on so many sides, both sides of my family, unfortunately, yeah. it's like a dark shadow. And I know that you're really passionate at campaigning and working with lots of different breast cancer charities. Yeah, and cancer
2: charities because we've, I mean, we've lost a lot of people, a lot. Of most family, of our family. Most of our family through it, and you know, luckily, we've mum got through breast cancer. Yeah, it really early. Um, yeah. was, was, one how the lucky many years ago ones, was that? That know, was 2006. Was it? Yeah. Um, it was the year that we were giving up the hotel. Um, and that was just such a shock. It's, it was only through, um, you know, the breast screening. You're invited to go for a breast screening. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something that reminds me you're 50. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just through that that um, it was detected. And it was really minute. But I had to have, like, 20... uh, radiotherapy sessions It was brutal, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was Yeah, I got really burnt and whatever but to me it was a small small price to pay for your life really And then what was the because you had to go on Was it tamoxifen? Well, I didn't know what I was on uh, because I agreed to do a test Oh Yeah, they were doing a trial and they asked if I would take part in the trial so I don't know what I had So I did that for five years Did you really? And it was it was it was hard, wasn't it? Yeah I was okay at the beginning. I would say it was after it, I think, it kind of hit me. I kind of got a wee bit of depression, I would say, after it. I was quite downy. I think think it's your go-to, it was your your normal go-to thing. So whilst when you found out you had it, your main concern was making sure everybody else was all right. And then it was only after you'd done the radiotherapy that I think it hit you on what you'd just been through. yeah. And, and yeah, it took. A, and I think I think the best thing for me was chatting to people about it. Because mm. some people have, you know, the the close up and they, they didn't like to talk about it. And I mean, I remember when I was growing up as a youngster, my uncle Tom. Um, I mean, I could only be about five or six, and he was diagnosed. And then they said it was the big C. They didn't say the word. And I remember I, th- I couldn't understand what they were talking about, and it was just they whispered it. It was the big C. yeah. And it was it was never the word cancer was never so ever spoken taboo, about. It? It and just... I just think it's so important for people to be up front talking about it, even like depression as well. Wow. When you are down and you, you don't see any lights at the end of the tunnel, it must be so hard for people, well, you know, that don't ha- that, that that doesn't have anybody to speak to. Her. There's been quite a lot few men in our village. Oh. Yeah. You know, killed themselves. Oh, no. And it's, it's it's you know, it's that thing. It's like, talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Know that yep. You that can talk about it. And there I are know. people who are going to listen to you. There's some amazing charities out there. Men. I mean,
1: like, Calm is an amazing one. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it's, because you're right, they just keep it to themselves mm-hmm. and they just don't feel yeah, that they can, can open up, open up, about, up it. about it. It's a generational thing as well, though, in terms of what you're talking about. Because I remember, so my dad's mum died giving to my aunt my dad was three and I had this amazing relationship with my granddad his dad because I was the first granddaughter and they named me after her and uh you know curious child I'd ask him about her and he would tell me about her and nobody was allowed to ask about her before and so I remember my aunt kind of uh saying to me oh you know I can't thank you enough because you've told me stuff about my mum that I was never allowed to I never knew about it. I was never allowed mm-hmm. to 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 know sort of thing. And it's kind of, it's that weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. Where yeah. these doors are shut and you're not... Yeah,
1: you just lock it away yeah. and you don't
2: mention it. Yeah. And actually, you need yeah. to
1: talk about people that you to lose. hold that, that you know, in. It's, yeah. it's just so damaging, repressing all those feelings. Yeah, totally. and
2: all. Well, we lost my, my niece... She had a very rare form of bone cancer, Susie. She was eight. My mum died of bowel cancer. My dad died of bowel cancer. And my eldest sister died of bowel cancer. And my sister's husband, Brian, he was only, what was Brian? Thirty-eight, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. He had uh, pancreatic cancer.
1: But I know what you're saying is like after you've you've been through something like you've that you went through, and whilst you're going through the treatment and everything, you just, you're keeping everything together. My yeah. cousin's just been through it. And it's now she's finished the, the chemo, she fin- yeah. finished the radiotherapy that she's like, Look
2: after her. Yeah. But
1: she, the realization of what she's just been through and what could have been and all yeah. of that just hits you. And it's that aftercare that you mm-hmm. really need to be aware of because you just think, Oh, you're right now, you're mm-hmm. over it. And it's, it's those lasting effects that yeah. just stay with you. How has it changed your relationship since the cancer
2: diagnosis? Um, Did it change it at all? We've always been really close because mum had me when she was 19. Oh. And I, I still remember being sat at my desk at Radio 1 when she phoned to tell me that she had breast cancer. So blase the way she told us as well. And that it was it was really early and it was going to be fine and stuff. And, and, and she did immediately just kind of make sure everybody else was okay. And I think that, weirdly, having Rudy at the time that I had him was a good thing for you because it was a distraction yeah, Definitely. To, to having gone through all that and having something else to kind of focus on. Mm. But I kind of feel that we've almost get kind of closer as well Mm. as the kind of, I mean, I can kind of talk to her about anything. Mm. Always have done. Aye. Always will do.
1: We can't talk today without going back and learning about your passion, where it came from for music. Because I believe that Eleanor, you took
2: Edith to her first ever cast, Rod Stewart. Walking yeah. out to Rod Stewart, yeah. how old were you then? Well, her first one, she was in here, she ah. was, uh, I was eight months pregnant yeah. at Glasgow. Yeah.
1: The tradition yeah. carries uh, yeah. on then. Mm. To the Apollo, the Apollo,
2: which is no longer there. Mm. And then the next one, well, the first one you went to was it Was it Ibrox? Ibrox. About seven. Yeah. And we and we chased the oh we gosh, chased the so bus so. to get an autograph. So we had waited outside the hotel he was staying at to get an autograph. So ladies, and someone <laughs> pushed me away though, didn't they? And so, then did someone not take a hold of you? It's only and, a kid. Actually, right, she's only a kid. The nice yeah I mean there was music around the whole we always had music so playing there was music in, the, in the house, house. there the was hotel. music in the hotel yeah. from like the band playing they'd have street parties for things like royal weddings mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff music in the kitchen music always in the kitchen yeah. and then I, I was in a band from when I was like 15 I um, was never in like school bands no but you never had enough time because you were working yeah well that was it yeah but yeah there was always music There's around music. same with me
0: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started and i guess
2: i you know what i think as well was like i saw what music did to people uh-huh. so i saw like you know, whether it be the Christmas carols mm-hmm. that we sung, and how you know you saw people's faces light up, or watching people dance, I'm going to see, him. going to watch, Nancy, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Oliver, so I think it's that, that see it, of being an observer yeah. of the power of music is, I think, the thing that made me want to get into that. So <laughs> a lot happened when you were seven years old. Yeah. So.
1: Your granddad had a stroke. Yeah, my granddad, yeah, who was like my third parent, really. Yeah, And, I mean, he he survived, though, didn't he? Quite he did. Like he, he, he kind of on.
2: defied all, all, all medical odds, science yeah. and odds. What did they say? They said six months to him? Mm-hmm. And he lasted, well, that's that was 60, 20, about 20 years, did 20 he? years, yeah. So that was... 15 years past Christmas Eve there that he passed away and um, yeah I mean I really felt for my brother because I'd had an amazing seven years with him because he was you know mum and dad worked so much and the weekends were the busiest time so I'd get dropped off as on a Friday night dad would pick me up on a Sunday night um, and in between that he'd come along on a Saturday night with a sporting post and a cornetto for us <laughs> um, but yeah I had and but even before that he was he, you know he we never a, had to have babysitters really because your auntie Hughes, he and him were, yeah. were he amazing. He went through two sets of tires old, and tires in my Silver Cross pram. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which we're still using to this day. Still using it for my nieces. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. Gosh, yeah. Jesus, that's an investment. Yeah. 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 Um, we had it out the other day there
1: yeah he was brilliant but then also so Alec was born when you were seven mm-hmm. and then Susie your cousin passed yeah. away so all those three like yeah. huge like massive life changing things happened When she, did, did you notice that I have a change on Edith at all at that I
2: mean I think you took it quite bad with Susie yeah yeah, you were you were really it really bothered you because I think she came to play with you one day and you wouldn't have, you didn't want to go out and play yeah and I felt, felt so, so guilty, guilty about that, about that years, didn't you for years like even like sort of 15 years ago but I remember her strength of character was unbelievable we were my aunt Evie got married and and because there were so many of us everybody was flower girls and stuff and Susie had um, so she kept breaking her arm she broke her arm like 19 times and so they then discovered that she had bone cancer and so they amputated her arm but they hadn't got it quick enough and so she had this false arm from my Aunt Evie's wedding she had this beautiful little cape that she wore over her dress and I remember her going to you Aunt Elmer will you take off my arm it's too heavy I can't dance mm. so she, she got her, her arm took her arm off. off and she's up back up on the dance floor dancing away oh my gosh she amazing. was amazing little girl wasn't she amazing you? yeah so she's clever t- yeah so clever um yeah, and I kind of, I think that, I mean, I was always kind of older for my years because mm. I was around old pe- mm. older people all, all my life in the hotel and stuff. But that was, and I think that having my brother been born, and that was something that I'd craved for was a sibling for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And mum had gone through a few miscarriages, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me saying. And, no. And, um, and, you know, when he came, it was just like, I was a bit, you know, I kind of looked after him mm-hmm. a lot. Little mother. So there was all these different things kind of thrown at you to kind of like, to sort of deal with. And you always think that these things happen for a reason, you know, yeah. eh? There's yeah. There's a newborn when somebody goes, there's yeah. something happens to take your mind off of things. and
1: Yeah. yeah. So how has being a, a, a parent changed your priorities? Um, life's just a constant
2: juggle, definitely. Um, you really appreciate, I mean, I, I, I appreciate how much... Mom and Dad did when I was growing up in terms of have, both having careers and kids um, and being able to juggle that. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the relationship that grandparents have with their kids because I—I mean, I had an amazing one with my granddad. I'm, I mean, all my grandparents really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember granddad. Grand when and granddad Clark. Grandparents, the yeah, best. they're amazing. We they really used to go on, on road trips with them and granddad's jag with Des O'Connor. <laughs> <Was> <laughs> the way you say the music. I still remember that you've got that holiday feeling. Um, and there's uh, old eight track things in his car. Um, <laughs> and I just, yeah, I remember that really special. And Christmases
1: mm-hmm.
2: of them making the effort, to, they used to come to over be, to the house to be with you at Christmas to open your presents, yeah. they would go around everybody you have to have a that made. Santa used to come to us first. <laughs> he used to just come after midnight. Got these great cine films of them all. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's Saturday. nice. That's Precious. really nice. That well, one that. of the things I did with my granddaughter, Bowman, because he ended up living with us, because he lived with his sister, Husey, and she died. And so he moved in with mum and dad. And um, as I sat him down and filmed him, so I sat him in the rocking chair which I've now got, my, not gonna, now, got in my house, and got him to talk about his earliest memory right up to present oh day. Oh my God, that's amazing!
1: So I've got. It I think every film. family
2: should do that. I know, and I, I, I keep that myself because so I wanted
1: to do that for so long with my mm-hmm. nana because she's just, uh, yeah, she lived till she was nearly ninety-five, and she wow. had all um, you know, she yeah. was yeah. absolutely like, remembered everything, mm. and I just didn't dig
2: deep enough or get enough of that history. It's an amazing thing to have. Gosh, yeah, I haven't been able to watch it yet. Mm, that will take a while But um, I need to watch it Because I've promised my dad I'm going to make a short film about him That would be lovely So I know who's going to play him Who? I'm not telling you Because I haven't asked him yet Okay <laughs> um, <laughs> um, So yeah That's my that's oh, my wow. plan Maybe not this sh- well, ho- I, I want to get it written this year Who's going write- to write it? Are you going to write it? I'm going to write I'm going to write Incredible it, yeah. Um, yeah that's my That's on the top of my to-do list Is it? Yeah Good girl. And my short film Grandad.
1: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is what's the best piece of advice you've ever
2: had from your mum? What's meant for you won't pass you by. I like and that. I kinda use that weekly. Do you? Yeah, definitely. And it's one it's yeah. that thing that helps me through those yeah. those knockbacks. Yeah. It's kinda like Things happen for a reason. It's not meant for you. And, Eleanor, what have you learned from your daughter? Slow gin is a really nice option. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I was going to say that just now. She's introduced me to a new alcoholic drink that we had at Christmas time. time. (laughs) Slow gin, yeah. Made by her own
1: fair hands, it was. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. She's just a a fabulous
2: slow gin maker. Well, she's a great cook. She really is. She she introduces me to a lot of new dishes. And Japanese food she's introduced me to, Mm. which I love. Love it. But, uh, but yeah I would see Jen
1: Fabulous <laughs> 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 Thank you
2: Next time will you bring a bottle of uh, gin please <laughs> I shall bring you a bottle of slow ball gym, as we've yes. renamed Slow yes. so <laughs> <made a> ball <label>. gin <laughs> Thank you
1: ladies thanks, It's really love. special really nice to thank you thank really lovely you. Thanks, to learn that so much sweet. about your closeness and your gorgeous
2: family Thank thanks, you love
1: Fabulous is Britain's most read women's magazine and is packed full of affordable fashion and beauty as well as exclusive interviews with our most loved female celebrities. It's also free every week in the sun on Sunday. Join me next time on Things I Told My Daughter where I get to meet another amazing mother and daughter duo. I'm Lisa Snowden and you've been listening to Things I Told My Daughter.